0: To do some stuff inside, and I said, "No way." I looked outside; my lawn had actually grown, which was a miracle in and of itself. So I was like, "I'm going to do some yard work today." So good. And there's something about this time of year being able to go out in sunshine. And it said it was like 49 degrees, but didn't it feel like 60 degrees? Oh, it felt so good. I'm out there mowing the lawn, weeding, and putting the moss control down, and all this stuff. And it just felt like spring for a moment. And then it rained today, like it normally does. But I was thinking about working on stuff around the house. Does anyone work around work on projects around your house ever? Does anyone do that? How come it never ends? Don't don't you just feel like there's always like this big project, and then like when we get done with that, we'll just be able to stop and enjoy the house. And then there's another thing. Isn't that how it is? There's just always seems to be something, and it just seems to be like. You start these things, some people start things and don't finish them by the way. maybe that's your personality. Don't nudge anybody next to you uh, in this moment, but sometimes you start stuff and don't finish it. Other times you start and finish, and then you just there's something else that goes wrong like that's what happens I guess when your house is thirty years old. It just things start to need to be replaced and and redone and it and it feels like. To me, like, there's this perpetual, I always think, like, we're going to be good now, and then something more I've got to work on or fix or the, the lawn. Now I need fence posts, and now I need whatever it happens to be. It just keeps going. And, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about the process today of our lives and how, how we, we want this finish line moment all the time, and yet it's so often the process, right? It's so often just this ongoing process that God has us in. And we're going we're gonna to figure out what that looks like to live that way. But our theme for this year, I want to just visit this for a moment, is contend. That we are contending on what God has said in our lives. That last year was a breaking ground season. It was a breaking ground year. And, and there is a need in our lives to contend for what God started. And I hope that God started some things in your life this last year. If he didn't, or if you didn't ask him to start anything new, sometimes you're like, God, I, that's not a prayer you want to pray. Lord, would you begin a new work in me? Um, but but we should be asking those things. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But there, there's a place in which we've got to contend to see what it is that God's going to do. Uh, in Jude one three, it says, "I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people." So this is going to be a year in which we contend that we are going to contend for the things of God. Would you just tell someone next to you, you need to contend. And we're we're going to start a study this morning, and we're going to open up to the book of Philippians. And we're going to spend a lot of weeks in Philippians. And we're going to see what Philippians has to say about contending in our life what does it look like to contend this church we're going to get into some church history and the, the, this church has done well this this Philippian church they I mean they are faithfully serving the Lord there's there's good things happening are there any good things happening in your church okay good I'm just making sure Paul writes them and there's good stuff happening And he says, I want you to contend. I want you to keep pushing. I want you to keep going. I don't want you to give up now. I want you to continue to press forward for what it is that God has for you. And so we're going to study through this book. And we'll start today with Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, and we'll read through verse 11. This says, Paul and Timothy, so Paul and Timothy are co-authoring this, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse three, I thank God every time I remember you. You have anyone like that in your life? I thank God every time I remember you. So good. In in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray and then get into the Word. Lord, we come before you today, and we pray that your Word would come alive to us, that it would capture our hearts. Lord, that it would transform us. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you come in and you breathe your life into this Word today, that we would hear what we need to hear, that we would be changed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before, before we get into this, I just one more quick mention, and I missed something last week, um, and I, I got to correct something real quick, because we were, we were talking about all the people it takes to, to make the church go around. And if you haven't got engaged and involved in this church, I want to encourage you to do so, because it will impact you in great ways. Uh, but I did miss mentioning Bradley, who is back here, who is here every single Sunday, setting up cameras, computers, and, and live stream. And there's a couple other guys on the team uh, that are helping as well. But this young man has been serving faithfully all last year, every single week. And so that when you are sick and not feeling well or out of town on vacation, you can tune in and have video and catch up. So uh, Bradley, I appreciate you. Thank you for being here and serving us. It's awesome. so, Philippians 1. Paul's writing this letter to this, these people who, who he says, I thank God every time I remember you. These are, these are good people. He talks about their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. See, Paul and this church have a long history together. In fact, this was the very first Christian church in Europe, the church at Philippi, the very first church. And when you are the first work in a region, that is a tough work when you go into an unchurched area, when you go into a place where Jesus is not being preached, and you begin a work, it is a grinding, grueling work. And there was prison involved, there was arrests, there's all kinds of stuff. And next week, we're actually going to go turn back the pages, and we're going to go back to the book of Acts, and we're going to see how even as this church started, Paul himself had to contend to see a work of God begin in this place, in Philippi, in this region, and. And we're going to look at that contending for what God wanted to do in a region. And I believe that as we look at that, then that there's going to be an encouragement in our hearts that God wants to us to contend for something he wants to do in our lives and in our region, in our communities, in our families. But today I want to focus here on verse six, because this is really, I, I believe, the foundation piece of this entire series, this entire theme of contending. As is, is he says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This really sums up the heart of this theme. If you're going to contend for something, there's got to be some level of confidence within you, that we get some confidence within us that, that he who began a good work in us will carry it to completion, that there is unfinished business that the Lord wants to do in our lives. God has begun a good work in us. As we've broken ground in our lives, as we've tilled up the soil, we've seen the hand of God begin to move. And now we're contending, God, would you complete what you started? God, would you finish what you started? And like Paul, I'm confident of this. God finishes what he starts. Amen? God is someone who finishes what he starts. And I wonder this morning, what has God started in you? As we get into this theme for this year, I want you to think about these things. What has God started in you? Is there a work that God has started in you? If you can't think of anything... Well, we've got to begin to ask the Lord some things. The, the first thing we've got to ask ourselves today is, what is it that God started? What is the work? And maybe it's something that He started many years ago and you kind of just gave up on. And we're saying, well, I don't know, God's not doing anything. Go back to the last thing that God said, I want to do this in you. Go back to the last thing that God asked you to do and, and finish that thing out, contend for that thing and see what it is that God will do in that thing. But if you can't think of anything at all, if in your life you're saying, no, I don't know, I've been a Christian for a long time, I don't know what God's doing, I'm just, I'm just here, man, I'm just serving the Lord, I love Jesus, life's good, I don't know, God's not really doing anything in me, then there's a different question to be asked, in fact, it's more of a prayer, God, what work do you want to begin in me? God, what work do you want to begin in me? And, and we got to go to the Lord and say, God, what is it that you want to start? A, a healthy Christian is not in a place in which we just come to this place where we say, you know, I'm good enough. I, I've gone far enough. I, I, I feel comfortable. Like me and Jesus, we're good. I preached about this last year, this idea of like, we're good. It's fine, we're good. I can pray when I need him. There's this guy, there's this, there's this guy named Jelly Roll. You ever heard of him? He's a country singer. He was a rapper. He's a country singer. He doesn't look like a country singer. But he wrote this hit song. He was like the top. He's 39 years old, and he was like the best new artist of the year. And um, he wrote this song, and I don't remember exactly how it goes, but it goes along the lines of, I, I, only, I only ask you for something when I need you. Does anyone know what that song's called? What's it called? Anyone know? I don't know. Anyway, but the idea of the song is, is I only call upon the Lord when I, when I'm, when I need something, right? And then he gets into, and an, oh God, I need you now, right? And, 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 and the idea is, I mean, he's kind of exposing, like this isn't really how we're supposed to walk. It? Save, me. Save me, okay. It, it's an interesting song, um, but the idea, and, and, I, and it's, he's not... He's not trying to say, that's how you should live your, your life. Like the idea is, man, that's, I'm only calling on God when I need him, but we should be walking with the Lord at all times. And we should be having God work in us at all times, not get to this place where it's like, I don't know, I'm fine, I'm good. We and Jesus, we're fine, we're good. And then I'll wait till everything falls apart to ask God to begin to do a work for me. But see, that's not the question that I, I said we should ask. The question is, God, what do you want to begin in me? Not, not what do you want to do for me? Or even what do you want to do through me? See, we're pretty open. I don't know about you, but I'm really open to God doing something for me. Are you open to that in your life? God, you can do something for me anytime you want. God, you can do something for me. In fact, most of us are even maybe moderately comfortable of saying, God, you can do something through me. God, you can use me to reach another person. But what about God? You can do something in me. that's That's a more dangerous prayer. But see, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, That he wants to do a work in us. What about when he wants to do something in us? When he wants to, I don't know, work out our unforgiveness issue that we're dealing with, where we're so stuck on that. What about when he wants to work and shed some light on our really bad habits that are really destructive, more so than we want to admit? What about when he says, I want to weed out this bitterness that you carry? and this edge, and you just have told everybody, you know, I'm just kind of edgy, and he says, you know, there's a bitterness within you. I want to work that out, and you say, God, will you do something through me, and you say, he says, no, in you. I want to do something in you. What about when he wants to bring healing to a place in our lives that, if we're being honest, we're pretending isn't actually hurt, And we've put all the coping mechanisms in place and we say, oh, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm fine. And we've said I'm fine so much that we kind of even believe it and we're pretending that we're okay and we're really not. And he says, I wanna do a healing work in that area of your life. You see, I believe God wants to do some healing this year in this church, in this place, in this region, in his people. I believe God wants to bring some restoration this year. I believe God wants to break some destructive habits this year. I believe God wants to mend some hearts this year that need mending. I believe that God wants to revive some calls to ministry this year. Calls that were set down because of a wound, because of a hurt, because of an exhaustion, because of a burnout. You set it aside, but God wants to revive that call. I believe that God wants to resurrect dead dreams this year. And some of you had some dreams in your heart, and they died a gruesome death or they just kind of fell to the wayside because life got in the way and you got busy and you had to go provide for your family. But there's this dream and it's still somewhere that flame is still flickering in your heart and God wants to begin to add fuel to that flame. And let that dream come back to life. I believe he wants to return sons and daughters this year. The places where those who have wandered and parents who have heartache because their children have walked away. I believe God wants to return them. I believe that there are young people. There are, there are less young people who have parents who they have contended for to know the Lord. And nothing's happened and I believe that God wants to bring some people home this year. Undone things, in process things, things that have been going on that you've stopped praying for because it seems hopeless. God wants to revive some hope in the hearts of people this year, this day. What are you contending for? even as I was speaking of these things, I believe for many in this room, something happened in your heart in just the last few moments, where there was something that you were, you used to have this, this passion for, I'm going to contend for this thing, but the passion's gone. What is it What is it that you're contending for this year? Write it down. If you're following along in the church app and you're taking notes, there's a blank right there after that question. Write it down. If you've got a journal, a paper, a paper Bible in front of you, write it in the margin. Write it on your piece of paper. What are you contending for this year? What is it that you want to see God do? And maybe there's a list. Maybe you're like letterman and you've got to get like your top ten maybe there's more than 10. That's okay. What are your top few things? What is it that you want to see God do? Some of you, there's like one thing and you are so stuck and you are so frustrated and you are so hopeless. What is it that you want to see God do? I want you to write it down and here's why. Because what's going to happen this time next year is you're going to look back and celebrate what God did. You're gonna look back and you're gonna say, "Man, this was—I didn't even feel like it was in process." And look at what God has done, because He is a God who carries things to completion. Amen. Amen. So, what does this mean to carry to completion? It's a phrase. Actually, it's one word in the Greek, epitelio. It's one word. It's translated in different translations to it, some translations say perfect. This one says carry to completion, and it means this: it means to bring to an end. To bring to an end. Oh, this, this sorrow, this hurt, this mourning, this grief that won't go away. It, it brings it to an end. This it means to accomplish. This thing that you felt like you just can never achieve. It means to accomplish, to perfect. This place where you feel like, will I ever stop struggling? It means perfect, carry to completion, to execute. By execute, I don't mean to kill. I mean to make happen. It is going to make it happen to complete a finished work. What does that mean for you? This thing, this thing that you're going through, it's not forever. It's not forever. Just tell would you just tell someone around you it's not forever? This struggle it will end. And this statement carried to completion tells us some things about God. It tells us about the power of God. How else would Paul be confident of this? Paul's not just writing this saying, I'm a confident guy. I actually think Paul was a confident guy. Maybe borderlining on arrogant sometimes, but he was sure confident. But when you read the writings of Paul, he wasn't confident in himself, he was confident in the power of God. That he said, when we first came to you, we preached not with persuasive language, but by the power of God. That we preached because it was the power of God. He is confident in this. He's confident in the power of God to work in their lives because he is a God who can. He is a God who can. He has the power. This phrase, carry to completion, speaks about the power of God, but it also tells us About the personality of God. That God is a completer. He is a perfecter. He is a finisher. Do you remember what Jesus said with his last breath as he hung on the cross to die for the sins of humanity? What did he say? It is finished. It is finished. He is a finisher. It says something about the personality of God. When they came to the tomb and found that he had risen from the dead, you know what they found inside? They found his grave clothes. Now, some of you, when you take off your clothes at the end of the day, you just throw them on the floor. And they're all over the place, right? And you've had conversations with this, with your spouse or your parents. They just want you to put them in the basket. But see, Jesus was raised by a carpenter, and carpenters in that day, when they were done with their work, they took the towel and they folded it up, and they set it on the workbench, and the clothes were found neatly folded and placed with a place in which he laid, indicating, I'm done here. Not only did he say, it is finished on the cross, but his actions showed, it is finished the resurrection of Jesus. This is the personality of God. He is someone who finished what he starts, but it also tells us about the promises of God, that there are specific things that God has spoken to you that he would do in your life, and some of you have given up, but you serve a God who does complete works, not partial ones. Complete works, but what do you do in the meantime? We're going we're gonna to get through this book and we're going to see the complete work of God. But what do you do in your life when the work has begun but it isn't finished? Well, you contend in the midst of the tension because we live in the tension, We are in the tension. Notice that Paul says until the day of Christ, that means that he will keep on completing things from now until his return. He's gonna keep on finishing things, but it also means that there's a bigger work that remains incomplete until he shows up again and comes in victory. That is the day of completed victory. It's the day where the enemy is bound and defeated forever. But until then, we live in the tension of the already and the not yet the tension of the already and the not yet already, and that the work of Jesus is a finished work, that we are a new creation in Christ, that he rules and reigns in spiritual places, but not yet, and that we haven't seen him return in the flesh on earth. Oh, but he will. Oh, but he will. Revelation 19 verse 11 says this through 16. I saw heaven standing open and there was beside me a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. With justice he judges and he wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head. There are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows, but he himself. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down nations. He will rule with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of the God Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It is the day of the Lord, and we will see him do the work until the day of the Lord. There is a day he is going to come and is going to be a completion for everything. Everything. He destroys the enemy once and for all. But until that day, we live in a world that's still broken. The imperfect still exists, and as citizens of heaven, we're caught in the tension. We're caught in this tension, even though that can be frustrating God's still working in the midst of it. In fact, he's still completing things in our life as we wait for the final completion. You see, living in the tension means that our Christian walk is as much about the journey as it is about the destination. It's as much about the journey, and there is a final destination. There will be a completed work. It's either when he comes and returns for us or when someday we go and we're with him. I don't know when he's going to return. There's lots of signs. Some of us will go and we will meet him face to face before he descends back on the earth and we'll be complete then as well. There will be a completed work. But in the meantime, what happens in us as we live within the tension? What happens in our lives as we contend for God to carry us to completion? What happens in the journey? Well, there's a couple of answers. The first is nothing because we do nothing. Nothing has to happen. We can do nothing. We can stay where we are. We can stay depressed. We can stay anxious. We can stay hopeless. We cannot grow. We can get beat up. We can be defeated. We can live like there's nothing to look forward to. We can, we can do that. I mean, I don't advise it. It's not a great way to live your life. If we live in the tension, he says that he's praying for them, for some things to happen. And I believe that these are three of the things that can happen as we live in the tension, if we would commit to them. He says, this is my prayer, that you love, your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. You see, there's a growth that happens in our life as we wait for God to do the finished work. That there is growth. He says that your love may abound more and more in knowledge, in depth of insight. That means we're growing. That means we're moving as we allow ourselves to be in process as God does his work. As God does his work to complete what he started, you know what happens? We grow we get better, we grow, we start to look more like Jesus, we start to mature, we start to have more wisdom than we had before. When you look back at where you started on your walk with the Lord, when you look back at where you started on your journey of healing or restoration you are on, you know what you should see? You should see growth in yourself. If you look back on your life in, with the Lord, even if you've only known the Lord for a month, when you look back, you should see growth in your life. If you, ha- if you don't see growth, then maybe you're not contending in the midst of the tension. In our journey, we should be seeing growth, but we've got to commit to that growth. We've got to decide, I, I actually know and recognize that I need to grow. You should have more insight. You should have more understanding. He also prays for discernment, that we should be growing in discernment. Specifically, he says, discernment about what is best and maybe pure and blameless. In other words, as you you break this down, I studied this out quite a bit. Here's what this really means. You're starting to understand what really matters. See, when you live in the tension and you say, God, I know that you're gonna finish what you start, and Lord, I'm gonna commit to the process. I'm gonna contend for what you wanna do in your life. Not only do I grow, I start to recognize, you know, this is what really matters in your life. And you find in life, there's a lot of things that don't really matter. Have you discovered that? It just they don't matter all that much. They're not really all that important. You, you may not be at the finish line yet, but in the process, God wants to bring clarity to your life on what's really important. And for some of you, that's a big thing for today. Right now in this day, it, your, your main issue For some of you is that you need to really hone in on what's really important right now in your life because you're fixating on things that aren't really all that important you're spending time and energy on things that aren't really all that important and in your situation as you say i'm going to contend for this you start to discern what matters and what doesn't you get in that argument with someone who you're supposed to you've committed that you're going to love You're committed that you're going to and and that things are falling apart. And in the big scheme of things, God wants to show you what really matters and what really doesn't. And so often, a lot of what it is that you really care about or that you really are standing on or your side versus their side, it doesn't matter all that much. And you've got to get back to what really matters. So often we're hung up on something, and that something in the big scheme of things, it doesn't even matter. The process should be helping you keep the main thing the main thing. It should bring focus to what really is important. And the third thing he prays for is fruitfulness the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus. You see, we should be seeing an increasing fruitfulness in our lives as we contend. When we contend in our lives, as God works these things out, it's not just that we're going through this journey and we just, every day, are like, oh, this is just still so hard. I can't life today. That we actually see something, we see, I'm growing. I'm actually seeing clearly. And you know what? There's some more fruit coming off of my life than there was a year ago. I'm more fruitful. I see things happening in my life as God works these things out. Now, sometimes that means watering, sometimes that means fertilizing, and other times that means, yeah, pruning. The least favorite one. But you know what pruning does? It results in more fruit. If you look at a fruit tree that's completely neglected and hasn't been pruned, it doesn't bear a whole lot of fruit, but pruning bears more fruit. And when we get to the finish line, when the work is complete, we'll be in awe of what God has done in us and through us as He has carried us to completion. But it means that we engage in the process, and it requires that we contend. God wants to carry something to completion in your life today. And He says, Will you join me in this process? Will you contend for what it is that I want to do in your life? Will you get in the game? Will you engage in the game? Some of you might watch football or something today, right? And there's times where in sports, like someone's not playing so well, their head's not in it, they're messing up, and The coach has got to come up to him and say, get your head in the game. And we've got to get in the game so that God can do what he wants to do in us. Will you stand with me this morning? Worship team, can you come up and prepare to close us? I want you to make an invitation to the Lord today. If you just close your eyes and think about what it is in your life that you need God to do. What is it that, they... for some of you right now, I mean, you are in your mind, you are thinking about a circumstance. You are thinking about a situation. God wants to work us through those things. But what does God want to do in you? And even in the middle of that, what does he want to do with your perspective? What does he want to do with your outlook? What does he want to do with your attitude? What does he want to do in you? Let's just invite him. God, could you come work in us now? God, come and begin a work in me. God, come and work on this thing in my life. God, I invite you to work in me. Invite him in. Invite him in, church. God, I invite you. I invite you to do a work in me. God I invite you into the unfinished we invite you into the unfinished this morning God we invite you into the incomplete this morning we invite you into the disappointment today God God we invite you into the unfulfilled longings of our heart Lord God we invite you in because God you are still working you are always working when we don't see it you're working And so, God, we invite you into the process again today. If we've left you out, God, we invite you in. God, carry it to completion. God, there is unfinished business here today. There is unfinished works. There are unhealed hearts. There are unsaved loved ones. God, come and finish the work. God, stir up a faith in your people to contend and to fight for it is that what you have for us God you are working. And we invite you to come and work in us today in Jesus mighty name. Amen is the worship